Testing, testing, testing. Can you hear me? This is Audible Autism. Hello, everybody. This is Audible Autism. Interesting people and interesting facts. This is Odai speaking, and today we have another really interesting episode that I think feels really pertinent, especially considering, you know, the events regarding the last two years, and also just because of how much more of a greater place and emphasis it has in our interactions with everybody. It's about uh, autism and social media, specifically using social media while being autistic, and it won't just be me alone talking about it. I've also got a guest here and guest is quite the polymath. We have Ian Lane, who's a stand-up comedian, DJ and speedrunner as well. Uh, this is correct. Yes. Second fastest in the world at speedrunning uh, Worms Armageddon. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a... Uh interesting choice of game i might have i used to i used to be first fastest in the world and then um, someone else gave it a go <laughs> so. uh, i think this will be interesting as well considering social media does play a heavy heavy part in terms of speed running in terms of making sure everything is you know done accordingly that nobody's cheating the strats are agreed upon and everything but we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a bit so uh Social media has taken a greater role in the last two years because of the pandemic that we all went through. And because of that, there's as well as there's people like, say, me and you, Ian, who've been using the Internet for years and understand, you know, understanding it and the pitfalls in it. There's been a greater number of people who wouldn't consider themselves like really Internet users as much as it might sound a bit condescending, they don't understand how the internet works. Would you agree? Um, yeah. Well, I, I think I think the etiquette sort of evolved gradually for everyone right. as it went along. Because I remember, I don't know about did you did you have social media back when it was first a thing? Like, did, did, were you on Facebook like back in two thousand? <sighs> seven or i i wasn't see i'm i'm Mm. kind of an interesting case where i i never was a really a social media person i I wasn't the only reason i even made an email address was when i was 16 and it was like oh well i guess i might as well have this thing because when it comes to work they're gonna be asking me why don't i have this so (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah it's that I, sort of thing i feel like when i was at uni uh, that was the way that myspace was treated right um and i i held off from it because myspace i used to look at it and it was like uh, this this is this is for bands yeah like, this is for, this is not for you yeah the yeah. individual person talking about your life yeah. this is for like people who've got something to plug yeah um and then facebook came along and facebook seemed to be like myspace for people who didn't have something to plug mm-hmm. and i was kind of like all right uh i'll get that but the thing is i, I held off from uh, until i did my last assignment at uni before i got it because i just knew it was the sort of thing that would consume yeah my yeah time. which is that's that's very very true but um 
with with all this as well as we're both uh autistic people we both recognize that there's a uh, even more pitfalls that you have to be like really, really wary of and things that can cause a lot of harm and that people can also unfortunately take advantage of as well. I think the the one thing that's probably worth bringing up first and foremost is uh, the fact that, I mean, in, in the olden days of the internet, for lack of a better word, the, the main spaces were like internet forums and the like. Mm. And um, depending on how they were run and if people, you know, we have to be honest, if people chose to have moderators there or just have them be a free-for-all, over time, around, I want to say, like 2004, 2006, uh, Facebook and then later Twitter sort of took over that. So it went from being, here's here's a website where you have all these different particular like spaces and areas where you can discuss this exact topic and then these sites were like hey what about these things but they're all in one space and especially in twitter's case where it's like it's a it's an ongoing thing that's going all the time so i've noticed from quite a few peers and friends of mine they've said that it feels like the internet has gotten a lot smaller like at most you're maybe revisiting the same four websites over and over what do you think i think that's a good way of putting it i mean to me it feels it still feels massive um i mean you just try googling something and like it will give you pages and pages of results for that thing and like generally you're unlikely to get past the first like two or three pages most of the time unless you're really dedicated to what it is that you're looking up um but I feel like it's more like it, to, to me, the internet still feels massive, but everyone's in the same area. Like, like in in the in the olden days, as you call it, um, it feels like the the internet was large, but it was all it's like a I guess like a, a kind of conference center with loads of little rooms, right? It, okay, loads of little conferences happening, and like nowadays, it feels like everyone's in the same room, like this massive kind of auditorium. Yeah, and all yeah, having that. And little chats and then they'll see someone over there and say excuse me i think someone over there's got a bad take let's just wander over yeah oh, <laughs> and sort yeah. that out I'll, I'll be we'll yeah i think we'll we have to get around to that at a certain point but um mm. let's face it talking about facebook and the issue you know the the issues they're in with that site can probably be its own episode right oh yeah <laughs> and um twitter i think over time I want to say in the middle of the last decade, the thing that was kind of touted as like, oh, you know, it's an it's an ongoing conversation. Everybody can jump in. It's like that's actually turned into the the biggest issue with trying to manage on there. I mean, I have to be I have to be straight up with the users in that um, I used to be on there, but how I even ended up on Twitter was kind of was kind of an odd story. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're familiar with all the the issues. Like, there's the fake accounts, the the spreading of misinformation and fake news, the the whole tactic that's known as, like, sea lining where somebody enters a debate and just constantly pesters a person with with questions and whatever to, like, wear them down and wear their patience and and everything, just mentions being filled and whatever. It's It's really... 
really, really tragic. I know people who've had to who've had to deal with that. They've had to go and like make up like blockchains to get Reno to like lock off other accounts from getting, you know, figure out loopholes to bother them and all these mm-hmm. other things. But for me, I don't know if it's just because how my profile was set or just the vibe I gave off. I never experienced any of those. And it, it's something that I still look on that is just like, huh, how did that? I don't know how I missed all that. I feel like you have to say something that kind of chimes with the wider twi- uh, Twitter sphere in order right. to be able to. Because, uh, like, I mean, my, uh, my, my Twitter is, I, I am on Twitter, but it's not like I don't get a huge amount of engagement. And it's because I don't really tend to get. Uh, involved with like the the trending discussions of course it seems course. like if you if you weigh in on those then um you know you're more likely to get that kind of pushback it, um yeah that is that is true and even then it's not even so much the the trending topics it's more like there's a certain set of issues there's a certain like number of topics that often get repeated and sort of interchange between them and I say this with no disrespect to any of my LGBTQ people, but every year the same discussion about the politics of pride crops up and mm-hmm. the same points and the same like beats of the discussion about how to present, how like what's okay to wear and what's not to wear and all these different things, the same thing that it's the same, literally the same conversation every year. It's pretty much like that with any kind of like recurring event that happens Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the year though. I mean, you look at like the uh, international women's day and you always get the flock of um, uh, men being like, all right, when's international men's day that Mm -hmm. Herring has to go out of his way to correct. Uh, You've got things like, uh, like there's a discussion about fairy tale of New York. Oh, about yeah. whether, you know, the discussion about like whether the F slur uh should be allowed in that song or whatnot keeps coming up. Yeah, um, yeah. Or the or the day of school of school leavers where people people give a, like advice or like mock advice up to like younger people leaving secondary school who aren't there. It's it's mm. very, very it's an odd thing but yeah there's certain things it's always every year it it happens again and again but that's that's getting that's getting far from the point the the other thing i think it's worth bringing up as well is considering um you know we we that discord has taken a bigger place in this discussion especially considering a lot of people who maybe have had a Twitter or Facebook and a disc, they were on all three, have Mm. like migrated more so to Discord. And to get a firmer sense of control is because people have now grown so like, you know, distrustworthy of larger, all-encompassing social media spaces. They've moved to Discord because it's smaller and it feels more intimate, but they're still sort of, functioning on the same kind of principles what do you think i didn't well this is i didn't know that people have been started moving over to discord 
because it's like it certainly hasn't it hasn't come up much like i have a discord server mm-hmm. and I, I use discord quite regularly and that's because like i um because i stream on twitch it seems like if you're a twitch streamer then you have to have a discord server you yes. know where everyone can kind of hang out and discuss the sort of things you're going to do on future streams mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff yeah um but in terms of like contacting people directly i haven't had a huge amount of that when it comes to discord uh, and if i do it generally tends to be people i know via streaming right okay rather than people i know via any other social media platform yeah i know there's been people who have flocked towards telegram as well it's just a whatsapp clone like from <laughs> what i can discern but it just seems to be a, a whatsapp clone that is less well moderated than whatsapp so yeah. like anyone who's been kicked off of the the facebook owned programs just ends up going to, to telegram i only use it for one friend right i had a work colleague who refused to go on anything used by facebook Mm-hmm. and uh they were kind of like all right hit me up on telegram and i was just kind of like okay right okay so that's another app that i have to download to try and keep track of everyone and she's genuinely the only person who i speak to on it so it is a testament to how well i get on with her <laughs> that i even yeah even message her as much as i do mm-hmm. i mean the other thing i feel with as far as discord stuff as well is like likewise in a way sort of similar to forums is you can this is something i have sort of noticed particular with certain friends who were older than me who can remember being on like the you know the heyday of places like you know something awful and uh, and the like those sort of forums is because they were places where any sort of like management or control was like next to nothing they've been very, very forthright about like, okay, here's a rule page. These are the people who are making sure that things are like managed. There's no trolls going in here. Um, This person is in charge of like, if anybody seeks to try and cause, cause trouble or whatever, they can like lock up, lock up the place with a, with a wall or whatever. And, um, it it's a thing that I feel is interesting because it's almost like they're they're trying to make up for what wasn't done prior wasn't done decades prior, but also I feel like for a certain generation it's it's this <laughs> I I don't say this to be rude but it's like their their source of almost Catholic guilt is the fact that they were a troll on an internet forum. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I was I was one of those. <laughs> Way back in the day, like it's because it was. I mean, the the I think I heard a streamer once describe the internet of old as like a the wild west. Mm-hmm. Effectively, like it was a free for all. And I remember the first uh, set of message boards I discovered. They were um, they were created by a, a company called Inside the Web, and they were genuinely like some of the most low rent message boards. Uh, I've ever been on. Um, they were like they were ones where like people would um, do what was called bombing the board, whereby like they'd have a little bit of HTML code you could enter into a post, mm-hmm. which would basically replace everything on the message board with this massive infinite like black box that right. <laughs> would just make make the whole um, uh, forum impossible to read. 
Um, or I remember someone uh, smuggled like an invisible like, um, burping sound effect into one of their posts once, and like the one of the admins had to kind of like comb through every post on the uh, the forum to try and find where it was so they could get rid of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just chaos. I mean, I never, I didn't go that far. I did, I did do a little bit of board bombing myself, like, and it, it was because it just felt like just bored you know like it felt hey I, I hate the world at the moment uh let's just do a little bit of this you know to take the edge off um it was fine the novelty wears off i think that because you know this is teenager behavior I should mm-hmm, stress. Mm-hmm. like and the novelty of that wears off because also remember the internet was a novelty yes it was as well like we didn't even have broadband in like the late 90s so uh you know when you went on the internet you were taking up the phone line Yes. And um, costing uh, your mother an arm and a leg. Of course, <laughs> of course. So, you know, you, 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 you felt like you had to get something out of the experience. And even if you look at the same message boards and just thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and- no one's posted anything interesting in days. You're just sort of like, okay. I'm going to make this experience interesting. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also funny as well because uh, watch, watch me do a segue now. Um, yes. there was, at that time, internet speeds were much slower. So mm-hmm. the response times to anybody make, sending messages or making a post would have been, you know, you really had to kind of construct your argument well enough to know what you was going to say and then send it and hope it, it goes for the best which speaking of internet speeds i feel like this leads on to like the next sort of issue i feel like for autistic people with the internet that's the actual speed of it can be really really challenging to manage you know especially because uh, and this isn't like over the course of weeks just over a, a day-to-day basis where you you'll see your your closest like certain people you consider friends or some that you only know in passing having as i mentioned these really really intense discussions sometimes over sometimes over issues that can be like very very large and very grand and very serious but then there's some of them which are treated with that same degree of like intensity and like nuance but they're actually like quite small in the grand scheme of things i think i think what's one of the things that's kind of changed is the thinking time Mm -hmm. like that was the thing because i remember i had um i'd like a uh what do you call it like a psychologist or (laughs) no counselor that's it yes um at uh at uni and i had um I had a, a, a an issue one day because um, I had a DM from someone who was in one of my drama projects saying that they couldn't make a second uh, rehearsal or something like that, and I was livid. Like, you right. know, and I wanted to kind of like get on social media and give them both barrels. But we talked about it in um, in my counselling session, mm-hmm. and the advice that the counsellor gave me was um, just wait half an hour before you send the message. Right. <laughs> And it was like, in a way, that that did sort of help yeah. at the time. Yeah. But it, it it feels like, and I think widespread, people don't feel like they've got that time with social media. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Even in terms of their own posts, like, you know, I think a lot of the time people 
use social media in the sense of like, okay, um, I'm thinking this now. Better, better whack this on Twitter straight away. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't keep up with that. I used to, like, I think about five years ago, I used to like just chuck any old joke that I thought of up onto social media and see what the reactions were. And now I feel like that's that's too scary. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, this... I can't do it because, like, what if I accidentally say something? that gets misconstrued as Eggs, uh, yes. something I didn't intend. Um, and, you know, I'm not someone who goes out of my way to be acerbic on social media. Um, but at the same time, I do want, I do want my, like, I do want to be understood. Yes. Uh, and I think I one of the things about being autistic is that like you, you do, uh, as you get older, I think you get a sense that people do struggle to understand you mm-hmm. sometimes in terms of what you're trying to communicate, mm-hmm. what you're trying to convey. Um, and you don't want uh, people to kind of like jump on that, yeah, uh, in a bad faith manner, you know, or or because they've just, you know, they assume the worst of what you've said, yes, and just take that as like the first reading, and it it sounds it just seems very difficult to be able to come back from that. Yeah, it that is it's true, and it can even cost you, it can cost your friendships as well, and in the worst cases, and this is it. The thing is, especially as like autistic individuals ourselves when it's regarding um certain issues you know certain topics that affect us on a day-to-day basis you often you can sometimes run into people who uh act as though they they are experts on Hmm. something and um they tend they can have a habit of like hog it of like taking up the discussion over the people who really need to say anything and and this is this is like the funny thing this is the funny thing is um as a result of like social media and the internet and more people being on it now people have been more exposed to like so many different positions and walks of life that otherwise they wouldn't have seen even back in like the like web 1.0 like more so now there's been there's been so much more perspectives on there as well but as a result of that it does kind of create a sort of tribalism in certain ways where there's various groups who don't see eye to eye on each on each other for uh for whatever reasons and um you know that person is seen as like the enemy of the week or things can go back and forth and whatever. And it's less about like trying to bring different voice. It, it's less about trying to bring in new perspectives and more about entrenching people in what they already believe in. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, cause like the tribalism point is interesting because like, I feel it felt like back in the day it was like, okay, the internet, we'll be able to help us in terms of like expanding everything and we'll be able to see each other's perspectives more. We'll know more about what's going on around us mm-hmm. because it, originally it felt like tribalism just came from a lack of knowledge yes. about the world around you. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happened is the internet has kind of opened up to such an extent, like there's so much information being thrown at you mm-hmm. um, when you, when you go into it, that what's happened is those people who might have had their minds changed have looked at that and gone, 
ah, no, that's a bit much for me. I'm just going to stick with, <laughs> just yes. going to stick with my pre- yes. my, my prejudices. Um, so it's kind of like, like uh, the one lifeline there is kind of like it's it hasn't really paid off in yeah. a way because I, I think it's just it's too scary. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much, there's so many perspectives to take on board now. So much information, so many facts, so many truths that um i i think people just find it too exhausting yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there certainly are there certainly are people who do their best to try and um research as much about uh all perspectives of an issue mm-hmm. as they can and I, I think those people are to be lauded quite frankly because uh, uh, it does seem like a full-time job it, it, yeah absolutely. absolutely it feels like something that you'd need to be paid for in order to be able to keep up with it as we know, you know, with the, the original whole thing was like, oh, you know, 120 characters, you know, put your put your thoughts out here and everybody can see what you're doing. And then over time, they they increase that so people could always add more, add more to it and, you know, make threads. But even then, considering how long a thread might be, it's still sometimes difficult to manage because some of them are all like 15, 20 things at a time. So you're trying to follow back where it started from and there's like f- maybe four or five responses to that and all this different thing. It's, it's... There'll be like there'll be like comments off the, like, you know, it, maybe it's a 50 post thread and then like there'll be comments off like post two, post three, mm-hmm. post five and like so individual meta conversations start happening. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And um, this is where unfortunately I feel like I have to, bring this up to the the next sort of pertinent issue relating to this is what's your thoughts on dunking? <laughs> um, well, uh, I mean, the, the word sounds good. I'll say onomatopoeically, it's, uh, it's got a great sound <laughs> to it. Um, in terms of uh, the concept of it. So I, I guess I need to um, just establish what you mean by dunking before I uh, before I answer. Yes. I have a feeling I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. You're sort of on about um, just getting one over on someone on social media, aren't you? Yes, yes, indeed. That's what I'm getting at. Is like somebody who is considered unpopular in a certain group says something, and then that opinion is shared, but they make a comment which is supposed to be like making fun of them or putting one, you know, yeah, as you say, getting one over on them, that's digging at their, at their initial comment. I never was into it because I didn't, I didn't see the point really for better or for worse. I've always been sort of very direct (laughs) with, with issues, but with dunking, it does. It's a thing. It's a strange thing where people do kind of get, dependent on it like they do get a buzz off of oh i i did this to a person and it made you know i did this and i, and I upset them and it like made their day slightly worse <laughs> you know you know and yeah i <laughs> this is this is the thing where in my experience when when i was on the experience this it it wasn't just like whoever the users was this extended to writers this expected to like gaming or celebrity personalities and especially now more than ever is extended to like politics where you know journalists who before never had to never had to you know know who these people were are suddenly like hang on they're all focused on me now and like 
people like I've seen people get livid over like people who write for whatever news, whatever like news website they're mad with, and they know this person by name. And I'm just like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> all be- all off the back of a relationship built on dunking. Yeah, yeah. And the the issue also with dunking is is like as it it has this inverse effect where it's supposed to like ridicule and drive this person away, but it actually spreads their in, intended what they were the point they were trying to make. And it's mm. something that gets brought, it's something that gets brought up, people agree on, and then they go right back to doing what they do again. But it's <sighs> Well the the problem is there's no such thing as an objective dunk, yes. unfortunately. Like, yes. you know, if there was an objective dunk where like everyone universally could a hundred percent agree. Um, that uh, that person had been shown up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then it would be kind of like, okay, that's done. We can draw a line under this and we can move on. Yeah, um, exactly. What you tend to find is that because of the tribalism, like for everyone who enjoys the dunk, um, there will be a, a significant fraction who are also kind of like, uh, you know, will then fight the um, the donkey's corner. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> yeah, and what what makes this even worse as well is sometimes people will say things that are indirect in referring mm. to a person. And it's like, even, even if you, if you're in the group, if you're friends with a person, but you're not in say whatever other groups they're in, you can be left confused as to what this is about or who this person or who they're referring to what this is about. And if you if you ask them, hey, what this what what are you talking about? It can make mm. things things awkward, you know. It slows everything down. Yeah, it kind yeah. of it because I think there's a even though it's just people posting on uh, in text form, like I think momentum is a thing. Yes, when it yes. comes to social media threads, and if you feel like someone who hasn't necessarily taking in all the information like it can't tell what level of reality the discussion is happening on for example which i think is a big uh a big problem i have sometimes yeah then like if you stick your nose in and you're kind of like hey guys just got here can you all fill me in on the particulars yeah which obviously you don't say it in that wording but that's pretty much the Mm -hmm, tone mm -hmm. of what you say and everyone's sort of they do the the uh the social media equivalent of just sort of like uh, gradually shuffling away from you. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That it's the deer, deers in the headlights, just straight up. Like, why you? Why is your attention on on me for this? I this is just something I did in passing, and it's especially harmful. It's especially a problem when the person or people in question have allegedly done something. Have committed a transgression that is you know frowned upon for whatever reason yeah and um certain groups in certain groups in question certain groups that are more likely to face harm on the part of trolls and whatever they keep the knowledge and information of who this person is amongst themselves like it's a purposeful thing and i i understand that but it does create this sort of weird like middle ground where if somebody says something in passing be it as a joke and somebody asks 
okay, well, did they do it? Did they not? And the person who brings it up is like, uh, it's as far as I know, it's just hearsay. I, I can't confirm or deny anything. So you're left well, one. Yeah, there's this whole kind of like thing of keeping dossiers on mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's just every time they say something can remotely be construed as dubious going forward, then like, you know, you, 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 you do the, the screenshot and you add that to the file. Mm-hmm. for that person and yet you just wait for a reason for them to bring it out again yeah now i mean this is like i think this is quite a caricatured way of looking at the way people do this i do think there are people who do this mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think that it's that widespread of course but i think there are definitely accounts on social media that are uh forensically dedicated to taking people down in that way sure and it's sure. it's odd is the only way i can put it like, I, I feel like I can understand sort of where they're coming from, but the motivations seem not entirely wholesome. Yeah, yeah. They seem a bit petty in the, the big scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. There is there is definitely a lot of pettiness in that regard. And it also creates this thing where you feel like you have to constantly be alert mm. to, to notice everything that's happened. Because it's like the second you turn your head, or you decide to go and do something else or go for a nap or something, all of a sudden there's been two 180s on something and you're like, wait a minute, but it wasn't that long ago. Everybody was like this. I'm not somebody who goes out of my way to annoy people, mm-hmm. uh, basically. I'm sure I do um, on on various occasions just because of the way that I kind of perceive the world and the fact that I seem to have a little bit of a low patience threshold with the way that some people mm-hmm. carry their business. Um, but and I think there are like the more you set out to kind of like get a reaction from people, like you have people on social media who are just acerbic for the sake of it. Like they're constantly yeah. trolling people, constantly uh, doing posts just to um, bait reactions out of people. Yeah, and they end up being the people who uh, you'll find a lot of receipts get collected against them mm-hmm. just because it's almost like a, a shorthand at that point, that person can share the receipts and just be like, kind of like, yeah, this is why you shouldn't really bother listening to this person. Yes. 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 Um, and- whereas if you're someone who just kind of like gets on with your own business and doesn't necessarily seek to, uh, annoy people, um, then you're probably less likely to attract that kind of ire. There is a possibility, of course, that you, as you say, you know, you may say the wrong thing mm-hmm. on occasion. Mm-hmm. People jump on that. But then I think it depends on how you handle it afterwards as well. Yes. Like, yes. There's certainly different ways of dealing with um, a, a genuine error yes. on social media. So Danny Baker used to do a thing where he used to post pictures of chimps. Okay. Um, that would like oh uh, i remember this now yes yeah, yes, yes yeah, i yeah, remember yeah. um which was kind of i think a regular sort of personal meme he used to do back in the day and he didn't necessarily think of the connotations of having a chimp yes um, megan markle yes um and so he got massively taken to task for it on social media now from my perspective it was a genuine error i don't think Danny mm-hmm, Baker, mm-hmm. Uh, was being outright racist but the way that he handled it at the time was like quite overtly defensive. Yes. Um, in a way that's just sort of like it 
one of the biggest problems I find when people get defensive in that realm is they sort of they tend to talk about all the people attacking them as if they're one kind of like mm-hmm. just amorphous blob mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, rather than you know a mixture of individuals who have some yes, legitimate concerns yes. and others who are just jumping yeah. on in bad faith and it's difficult mm-hmm. obviously because if you're being attacked from all angles like that then you are going to reach for kind of the easiest defense that you can muster I suppose. yeah i mean I feel like if he'd handled that the, the sort of the apology aspect of it a little bit better like if he'd been a bit more contrite earlier on less defensive he might have come out of it uh you know a little bit better off yeah i mean I as a black person on the internet um mm-hmm. so i don't know if you remember but there was the photo of adele when she showed off her notting hill carnival costume she had a oh, she had, yeah, yeah, yeah she had her hair yeah. in a specific kind of hairstyle which is uh usually like associated with black women this is this is a this is a strange sort of black diaspora social media thing that i feel like maybe yourself and some people outside have no idea that these sort of things go on but when this happened oh like america black americans were absolutely livid and were saying this was cultural appropriation and she shouldn't be doing this and how dare she and whatever and meanwhile people over here in britain who you know they were like this was kind they were oh okay you know they were okay with it but of course Mm. there's there's certain things that are you know there's there's difference of opinion between those lines but yet some some people thought it was an overreaction and because of that it turned into a thing about like why are you why are you lot acting as though your spokes your spokespeople for the for the entire race and culture and yeah. then it turned and then as it went on it sort of turned into like it, it just ended up devolving into the sort of like low hanging fruit sort of cultural stereotypes kind of discussion about what your country does and what they don't and what makes it better and whatever and it's 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 very tedious and it gets very drawn out it gets very drawn out they're sort of known as diaspora wars as they're right. as they're sort of colloquial as they're known but uh i feel like i would be dishonest if i didn't bring up if i didn't bring up anything to do with this yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, that. But uh, the whole discussion or thinking regarding making and, and even losing friends over social media is uh, a pretty fraught and complex topic in and of itself. So, on on making friends, I would be, especially as you are a speedrunner, an autistic yes. speedrunner at that, <laughs> yeah, and a DJ as well. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to hear about your experiences in terms of how to approach people really, or how to build friendships and maintain them. Mm. I, do you know, this is one thing I say about social media, because like you, you get a lot of people nowadays um, who talk about how social media just ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, no one talks to each other properly anymore and all that kind of stuff. I genuinely, like, for all of the ills of social media, I, I would defend it, like, because yeah. I remember how much lonelier I felt in life before social media was a thing. Yes. 
Um, like if I felt really detached from people, um, like I did have a few friends in like, you know, college and uni and whatnot, but, um, they felt like, this is going to sound harsh. Uh, so if any of them are listening, I just want to say, if I'm still friends with you, then you're the exception. But, um, the, uh, they, they, it was, it was very much a case of like, okay, these are just the people that I've got to choose from at this, this moment in time, you know, in this, this, uh, this classroom. Right or uh, yeah, this, this this education establishment or whatever. So these are the people who I just kind of have to gravitate to, and in terms of our differences, right, like, I just sort of have to put up with them. Um, and when I say differences, I mean like we're very different people, you know that kind yeah, that kind of yeah difference. yeah yeah yeah. Um, whereas like in social media, what I, I have found is it has helped, kind of like not just helped gravitate towards more like-minded people but it actually i feel like it just gives you a better appraisal sometimes of the people that you 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 already know right you know like when you look at their timelines and all the things that they get up to and also just the way that they type the way that they speak in that context how many emojis they might use all those little (laughs) things like they just they just they just paint a, a broader picture of the people that you hang around with that even though obviously you can get a lot of that from talking to someone face to face right like it's like an um it's just like another it's like another uh sort of dimension of information that you can get for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's and also like you can sort of you can see when someone is very different on social media to when they are in real life Mm -hmm. i think that's the sort of thing where back in back in the day that was kind of accepted as the norm, I think, like because everyone was kind of like the internet was just this sort of escape yeah. for us, you know, yeah. from everyday life. So we can kind of be whoever we want on the internet, you know, mm-hmm. be as like disgusting and awful as we like. Um, whereas now, I think, although there are still people who uh, kind of live by that duality, I feel like it's there's much more of a risk now that you're going to be taken as uh, literally in that regard. Yes. So the way that you behave on social media is very much a reflection of who you are in real life. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, this is, yeah, this yeah, is why now this is also why you, you know, more it's become more of a thing now where people are like, Oh, they're, they're terrified of their, their work colleagues or their parents or family members finding finding how they finding how they they act on online because they're they're not going to look at them the same way again or they might get fired from their job or something like that yeah i think well it's like the whole uh, dming is just a whole new for me like a whole new way of kind of being able to connect with someone Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like my last relationship for example um uh we Basically, like I did a I did a preview of one of my comedy shows right. in Colchester, and um, she uh, she came along and uh, I, uh, watched it, and then she messaged me latterly via DM asking if I had another show coming up, okay, in, in the near future, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's fine, and then we just sort of started being like, hey, you know, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> she was watching Eurovision for the night. So I decided to watch it as well, and we both just traded witticisms about all of the 
all of the performances in Eurovision right. over the course of that and built um, a relationship off the back of that. Um, okay. And it was, it, uh, and that's something I couldn't necessarily have imagined doing before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's something kind of like a bit less, it's almost less stressful mm-hmm. talking to someone via DM, you know, than going to see someone yeah. that you don't know that well in real life. Mm-hmm. Like DM is sort of a way of, uh, if you forgive the terminology, kind of feeling out um, how you sort of gel with someone. Yes. Um, yes. Because it's not, it's, it's, it's less, uh, less of a commitment. You know, you're just sending messages yeah. by text, but you can get a flavor from that as to whether you might get along with someone in real life. Yeah. It's off the back of that or not. That and is, that's, it's, it's a nice little buffer zone that I never had before. It, that is, is true. It's all, all what you're saying is true, but, um, there's mm-hmm. also the um the the worry as far as autistic people with making friends with people on the internet that um they might come across overtly friendly or a oh, friend yeah. might say a compliment and they will maybe mistake that as like a sign of affection and the response yeah. back they give is really really unfortunate or like making a making a response you know making a serious statement and they just get nothing nothing as, as a response for it which in in the last one i should add in in the immediate like it's not a thing that's immediate but like over time again that sort of wears you wears you out and it feels like you're just having a conversation with yourself so yeah so because there are you are right there are limitations with you know uh, communicating in social media as well mm-hmm. um and like you know a big a big issue that's come up quite often is misconstruing each other yes and that can that can literally come down to something as basic as what punctuation you use mm-hmm. at the end of a sentence or what emoji you use um or just a typo yeah yeah like something as basic as a typo can completely just make you and it's 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 not necessarily a case of the meaning of what you say changing entirely. It's more the meaning being unclear. Right. And that's kind of like, that could be even more detrimental because your brain, at least from my, you know, my, uh, my autistic perspective, it kind of like you, 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 you end up overthinking it. You end up thinking through every possible machination of what that person might mean. Right. As yes. a result of that. And trying to weigh up what is the most credible, like, or what is most likely. And if you're mm-hmm. a pessimist like me, you're probably going to fit, fall down on the side of like they're they're, you know, they're trying to suggest something less favourable, yes, than what they actually tried. So you end up having these long awkward conversations, um, you know, where you try and get everything back to the status quo with regards to where you sit with your relationship with that person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if there's one thing like I've tried to like, I've tried to find a way with people of like, you know how with video game consoles that you can just like do the, the hard reset mm-hmm. when you get to, you know, if, if, if you're playing a game, it just goes absolutely um, uh, you know, haywire. Uh, and then you're like, okay, just hit the reset button, start afresh. We're done. I'd love something like that for conversations. Yeah. <laughs> like a, just a, a formal way that you can just get back to a certain point before you said something that just sent everything off the rails. Mm-hmm. 
and then we can kind of like try this conversation again but from a kind of clean palette um and it's it's not something that i find easy to set up with people if i'm honest yeah it's 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 definitely something that requires uh, a lot of a lot of work to even get together i mean i mean i i say this not i say this not as a deterrent but um you find as well say making something like this as far as a podcast um the easiest part is actually the recording part of it the difficulty more so comes in terms of trying to like you know arrange a, a day of when to do it and trying to reach out to to guests and everything and it's funny because i'm sure you've probably heard the, this expression as well but like uh parasocial relationships yes you know i mean you you being a twitch streamer and i being a, a podcast host i mean there's there's a thing that people have sort of commented on in the last how many years that the reason that sometimes the reason people tune into people like ourselves isn't so much because of what we're talking about it's more so because they feel like they're they're learning more so about us as people we we come across like they're sort of slightly cooler more funny best friends you know which let me yeah. tell you listeners that's not the case with me no way <laughs> it's what well, it's, it's it's almost like company isn't it mm-hmm. that more people are seeking because it's it's why i've partly why i've found it a bit difficult to explain twitch streaming to people who aren't really already familiar with it um because uh you know if you tell people that right i just play video games on stream and people watch it and they're kind of like what <laughs> yeah does that work yeah um and it's and it's because also like at the beginning of the pandemic um a lot of comedians tried to uh jump on twitch um as a means of i think they thought it was going to be a comedy continuity service like okay we can't do any gigs for the time yeah. being so um you know let's let's just try and do something on stream instead and didn't really take into account the fact that Twitch is very much its own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, like, unless you've got a really dedicated hardcore fan base that you can bring over yeah. to Twitch, then you, you know you're going to struggle. And that's why, actually, I didn't really like. I didn't sort of look to do comedy content on Twitch per yes. se at the time because I I felt like that wouldn't really work at least for that medium yeah i mean Um, i'll say this on a side note i i have a lot of feelings regard the use of the word content especially now more than ever but (laughs) okay i i will save that for another time but it's true it's true and especially now i feel like it's it's a funny it's funny where you see i don't know somebody like jack black all he has to do is say like five nights at freddy's in a sort of odd voice and mm. people are like, oh my God, did you see what he did? And he can carry on that to Twitch or whatever. And it's sure. sort of this, it, it kind of, if you told people, if you told people say back in like 2001, 2002, that this would be the case with the internet, they would be like, what are you talking about? Because it's, you know, it was almost a place where, you know, it it wasn't meant to be made for certain, you know, people like him who were yeah. celebrities you know this is a world div- di- like divorce like sort of supposed to be divorced from that it's its own thing it's for hobbyists and for people who have their own interests and now it's sort of like the best way to be successful 
on the internet is to be somebody who's already successful like previously beforehand that's, that's true up to a point i mean i think um because like the, the, the mention of celebrity is is significant because like in back in the day there was this kind of um distance between uh you know the average person and celebrity or this assumed dif- uh, sort of distance of you course. know like they were kind of this celebrities were meant to be this sort of unattainable <laughs> kind of uh life goals kind of thing mm-hmm. um you know and you can't it's hard to imagine someone like say david bowie being on twitch you know or, or if he would if he was still alive or mm-hmm. that kind of level because they just had this mystique behind them um and nowadays celebrity seems to be more about um a, a kind of i think the parasocial thing yeah in a way. yeah it's like you talk about jack black being on twitch Thing about Jack Black being on Twitch is like Twitch is, and the reason I think parasocial uh, relationships develop there is because you've got the whole chat thing going on there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like you know you you're performing or you know doing whatever it is you do on Twitch, and then all the people watching can just post in chat. Yes, and you as the performer can read the chat and mm-hmm. respond to chat. And the moment you do that, then it does feel like there's a back and forth going on. Yes, there. yes. I mean, um, well. I suppose you could say like the line between like celebrity or whoever, or even like your favorite creative person, that's, that's something that's been commented on as how like Twitter basically killed that dead, or at least mm. the feeling that there was a divide. I mean, there's, all right, there's a, yesterday is a good example for me. Um, there's a, there's a producer that I like who goes by the name of Carn Hills, Carnhill, C-A-R-N-S-H-I-L-L. And he's a like South London rap producer who's made like beats for like Young's Teflon and he's made a lot of stuff like Blade Brown. He's made beats for like uh, some of the guys from Six Seven and all the all the sort of like UK drill people, which uh, I don't know if you know anything about that whole world or if you know I think I've heard a, I think I've heard a track by six seven um but I yeah I don't I'm not yeah. hugely yeah and he's knowledgeable it's 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 interesting because he you know it's a producer he's a he's a, he's you no know, the whole thing with him is he's meant to be sort of a, a back behind the scenes kind of person maybe does yeah. an interview here and there but they're not they're not well some of them have go all in on it and make that their whole persona but they're still a number of them who would rather like it's you know my my work does the speaking for me and yeah here i am yesterday i stumble on the fact that he's got twitch account and i'm seeing him play gta 5 (laughs) (laughs) oh nice (laughs) very 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 strange very very strange but um i think Mm. that we've we've we uh at this point we're we're gonna have to get to uh maybe the more like bracing discussion on this and that's uh losing friends which i'm sure you and me we've both lost some of them some of them definitely down to like our own our own like terrible decision makings and misgivings there's some i still think about to this day and for like even more so than like neurotypicals it feels like a very visceral thing to deal with Mm. it's it's weird, weird because like, i tell you i um i feel like i don't i don't really remember the last time i 
truly feel like I lost a friend, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think it depends on how you define friends Mm -hmm. in a way, because what social media has done a little bit, I mean, certainly Facebook has been responsible for this, as it has kind of devalued the, uh, the word friend. Yes. In terms of what it means. Like, you know, if you say you've got like 1,800 friends on Facebook or whatever, like that doesn't mean nothing. You don't know all these people. Yeah. Yeah. In the way that, like, especially because like a lot of them, you know, uh, haven't haven't done stand up comedy, stand up comedian, stand up comedy for uh, for about ten years now. Like you accumulate a lot of friends along the way because mm-hmm, uh, every mm-hmm. time you gig with someone, you you know you strike up a conversation and then be like, yeah, let's follow each other on social media. Yes, um, and then you never know that person probably won't still be doing comedy in like a year or even six months and whatnot because such is the way that people like comedians spring up and like disappear like the, the turnover is is very high yeah 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 yeah, comedy, yeah but just by nature of what it is and so because of that you end up with loads of friends who like uh on, on facebook who you've you know you look back like a few years later and i'm going like I, oh yeah i do i vaguely remember that guy um but yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've had people kind of unfriend. I most recently had someone unfriend me because they were a promoter and they were. Um, uh, I was booked to do their gig, and then they offered fifty pounds to uh, a dropout spot to do the um, like a last minute to cover a dropout, right. basically. But um, it was like none of the other acts on the bill were getting paid, even though they were doing the same length of time. So I took him to task for that via DM. Okay. Um, he couldn't understand where you know where he'd gone wrong, and he basically just unfriended me off the back of that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you just look at things like that. You just think, like, all right, fine. I reckon you probably could have handled that better. But like, it just it's you just get used to people coming and going in social media. It makes people feel a bit disposable in a way. Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, I mean, on like the the whole all the conversation about like ghosting as far as online dating is just like oh, yeah. that's its own can of worms as far as this but you you did bring up that point as well as far as like you might have a large list of people and it it just magnifies more so especially if you're autistic that there's only like you can count the ones who you would really consider to be your friends on on one hand and it's funny because there's there's no real middle ground with autistic people on the on social media fan it's like either you have mm. hundreds and hundreds you have how many people who are supposed to be your friends or you, the list you got is like literally under 10 so yeah. it's it's just it's fascinating and especially one other thing as well considering as well considering with friends is that two people if it's two people you know who are like in either different groups or in like they're in a group that you're with and all of a sudden they 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 stop talking to each other and yeah. you don't you don't learn about what had happened between them or in the worst instances that person blocks you because they think you're still talking to them and mm. you're just like you don't know how to you don't know how to deal with this because you've learned about it after the fact and whenever I've learned about sort of a dissolution of a friendship or like a relationship between two people, it's often been after the fact. Yeah. 
I tell you, it's interesting that you mentioned ghosting mm-hmm. um, because I did I I did try the dating apps briefly like a few years ago. I was on Bumble mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I had a date with someone who um, who I really wanted it to go well with them. It, it, it I don't think it did in practice because it was my first ever real date. If I'm honest, right. so I think I was mm-hmm. a, a little bit um, you know a little bit too nervous. But um, anyway, so. We had the date, and then you know we go, uh, you know, go up to our homes, and I don't think much of it. And then I, I sort of send a follow up message, and don't get anything back immediately. So I sort of think like, all right, right, she probably doesn't want to carry on with this. Mm-hmm. She, she then messages back like a few days later, kind of like, oh, sorry, you know, a bit a bit busy at the moment, and then carries on the conversation a little bit, and I sort of respond fairly right. quickly. Mm-hmm. And expect to get another response, and then nothing. And I'm like, okay, all right, what's going on here? She seemed kind of enthusiastic in that last message. And then, like, about a week later, I get another message from her saying, "Yeah, oh, sorry, I've been really busy." And then sort of carries on, and it goes on like that for a while. And I find it really confusing. Yeah. And then a work, I explain it to a work colleague, and she says, "Are you familiar with something called curving?" And I was like, "No, what's curving?" And I find an article saying. Uh, what curving is and why it's worse than ghosting. Mm-hmm. And curving is this thing that people do online where because they don't want to ghost you outright, they will continue to interact with you, but they will do so on a much more sporadic um, yeah. kind of like minimal basis. And they'll, you know, they'll be very apologetic and say, oh, I've been really busy and mm-hmm. like, and they'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll give you a little bit, but they will not uh, look to any, sustained discussion with you going forward and it's a way of kind of like um just moderating you out of their life yeah yeah and it's um and i hated that i have to say like mm -hmm. i I did once i learned that i i kind of did call call the woman out on it Mm -hmm. um just because i felt i'd much rather be ghosted like i know where i am with ghosting yeah 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 curving was so confusing Mm -hmm. it's especially a problem as well because uh autistic people as far as like maintaining connections is is kind of difficult so they don't they end they may you know we end up sometimes we end up ghosting people not because we do it intentionally it's just because for Mm. some reason our brain just skips a beat and we forget about them altogether for some reason or another yeah, but also like DMs. I don't know if you have this, but like, do you find when you're DMing, like, you know, having conversations with people via DM, it feels like both of you are looking for the uh, the message that isn't a question <laughs> that doesn't okay. require an immediate okay. answer. To yes, it. Um, because I find like with with uh, my friends that happens a lot in the conversations. Often I'm I'm guilty of this. Uh, often the other mm-hmm. person does it. I don't really mind it to be honest, but like sometimes it's frustrating because there's a part of me that thinks I wish this bit of the conversation would just go on a little bit longer. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But what happens is like I think you're looking for a closure. I think when you you have these exchanges with people, um, because like I'm not the sort of person who like back in the old days, like you would start DM conversations, like instant messaging with like hello mm-hmm. and goodbye. You know, there would be a key starting point and a key end point, and then in between was the conversation. And I feel like what happens with DM now is I don't really tend to say hello or goodbye. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think many people do. It's just when you've got something to say to that person, you say it. 
Yeah. Like you just throw it straight out there. You just go straight in. Unless it's like a stranger, like someone you haven't really DM'd much before, then you'll probably start with a hello there. Right. But like if it's someone you speak to on the regular, then you like it just if you've got something to say, you say it. You don't worry about the pleasantries. Yes, yes, that that's true. And then when you're done, you just sort of cut it off there. That is that yeah. is that's very true. I'm I'm right with you there. Uh, in recent years, like if someone has just DM'd me with the word hey. I can't respond because it's like I don't know how long this is gonna go on for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if it's like, hey, and I go, hey, they go, how are you? They go, fine, you, and I'm just go, oh, this is not the pace of conversation I'm yeah, used to. Yeah, and yet when I look at myself in the ad, like you know, if I take a step back and look at me, I'm just thinking like, what's happened to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why? Why have you become so impatient with everyone? Yeah, but like. I, it's it's just I have to these days, you know. It's like I because my my I need to know where the conversation's going as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's worth bringing up a really important topic, which yeah, sure. I know can be quite embarrassing for some people to think about, but it's also um, in terms of the fact that autistic people are more likely, as mentioned before, to be taken advantage of, which. Mm. Not just in terms of, say, like people trying to get their details and scam them or whoever, but also just the difficult, you know, just also in terms of like, say, people with uh, very harmful ideologies or say uh, people who are unfortunately predators in that regard or even like conspiracy theorists at times, it can, it can you know it, it's double it's sort of a double harm because sometimes it's deemed like autistic people are too trusting and they can end mm. up in situations which are they're totally out of their depth in or they're um projecting certain ideologies that up until very recently they didn't believe in beforehand having since been diagnosed as autistic uh when i was 32 mm-hmm. like i feel like i'm it's much easier for me now Yes. Just be upfront about that, right? And just say, right, okay, look, I'm autistic. I don't, I don't quite know how to interpret what you've just said. Mm-hmm. Can you help me out here? Yeah. And it's it's very cringe. It's very embarrassing, you know, because like uh, again, it's the momentum disruption. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no one wants to feel like the momentum of a conversation is being disrupted. Mm-hmm. But like, because in comedy circles, I feel there's a there's a phenomenon that I like to refer to as uh, reality chicken. Um, it's like a game almost, whereby like so, person one sets up uh, a premise, like you know, they start talking on a reality that is not true, like, right. and then the second person will go along with that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, let's just say, like, person one uh, pretends I don't know, they did a burglary last night. Okay. And the second person's kind of like, all right, what did you get? How did the burglary go? And the first person will continue to talk about the burglary. And the second person will keep going along. And eventually there's going to come a point where the first person cannot keep up the pretense. Yes. Or the second person starts worrying how the, the, the first person actually did do the burglary. Right. Yes. And, so, and so the reality chicken game comes from who, like, goes back to normal reality first right yes like, who breaks the premise for like who like who, who's like okay i can't keep this up anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know can, yeah, can you be real with me right um and but that happens in 
so obviously the burglary thing is just a kind of like hypothetical but like that that comes up in so many situations yes um and it's it's tough, you know, because you, you don't want to be the person who breaks reality chicken in a way, you know, because it's a loss. Mm-hmm. It feels like you couldn't handle the reality that's been posed in front of you. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't meme along with this person. Yeah, um, yeah. But sometimes it just goes so far that you have, you have to put your foot down and you have to be like, okay, I'm going to break the fourth wall here uh, because this is just getting too uncomfortable for me. Sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Mm. Um. I think the the other thing that's also the issue with this cat with this sort of thing is like there there's definitely been measures that have been put in place to try and like push against like fight against back these uh these these ways you know these things of like the u like users and sort of stories of how people could could be taken advantage of but uh mm. If anything, it's argued. If anything, the complaint is that they don't go far enough to protect right. the most vulnerable users because there's still a lot of there's still a lot of loophole loopholes here and there, you know. Mm. So all of a sudden, it could it could be de- it could be deemed that like this one person, you know, as we were sort of talking about, like the people who, who get dunked. It's like this one person who maybe up until recently didn't hadn't done anything and just tended to their own little corner because of whatever reason whatever reasoning or narrative concocted they're considered this like focal point or a person who's involved with it and they just get battered about with this information and as much as they try to say that they have nothing to do with it or they don't know what you're talking about it's it, it 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 just ruins them in in the worst in the worst case and mm. because of that as mentioned before in a way it's like this is why certain places have conduct you know they've they're very very strict about like you have to be to conduct yourself in this particular way or in some places if you need to like verify that you're a real person which you know for me it's been a stumbling box like they require that they need a photo of you and everything and for somebody like me who i don't i don't feel i've never really felt comfortable about showing my own face online i'm perfectly capable with talking to people about you know my background and, and and stuff like that maybe there's still things i keep to myself but as far as just having my own face out there for people to see it it's something that just at the core of me i do not it doesn't sit well with me do you, do you know why have you got a sense of why it is that you don't want your face to be out there you know what it is i think it stems from the fact of um going down certain directions, going down, looking, you know, not even getting involved in forum because I wasn't, I wasn't a forum person at all, but just Mm. finding these spaces and observing how people conducted themselves. And some of them, you know, definitely were people who espoused just the most vicious, hateful kind of rhetoric or they yeah. were espousing like just horrible racist stereotypes and everything. And the first response that says to me is like, you're not welcome here. 
you mm. you have to be more pro- you have yeah. to be more protective of who you are because the second you give them that inch in terms of recognizing who what you look like what you look like or whatever that's when that's when they'll the, the floodgates open and yeah there's people there's people other than me who they're more comfortable with that or they have reasons for doing so and their reasoning for not being as so guarded compared to me i have no problem with that i if anything some of those people i absolutely support them for doing so you know it's a way of it's a way of like affirming their existence or how they're progressing in a certain way and yeah thing is especially now we're in regard to people who are not who are anonymous it's who don't reveal what they look like it's it's the assumption that they're immediately some kind of they're some kind of troll they're some kind of awful person and that wasn't that wasn't the case once upon a time and to yeah. a certain degree it's still not the case there's there's absolutely legitimate reasons why some people try to keep their identity guarded. They they feel in a way slightly more safer being who they feel they are online because depending on whatever is going on outside of that, there's they, they can't do it. They can't do it. Yeah, I just, I think I really have some cognitive dissonance when it comes to this issue, actually, because like there are there are people who uh won't show their face online who i look at that and just think come on you coward like you know let's get that fizzog on there and then there are others that are kind of like mm, okay actually no i can understand why like i mean trans issues is a great example Perfect, of this, yes. like, for me like i when i see like turfs online who are keeping themselves anonymous uh then i'm just kind of like no why don't you just why don't you just be proud of what you said you know why don't you just come out mm-hmm. and actually show us who you are and see that it's not because i want them you know i want to attack them or anything i don't want to dox them or anything like that but i just want them to put the their beliefs down uh to the you know with their face effectively i want them to just take ownership of it yes. but at the same time like you know if a trans activist um chooses to keep themselves anonymous online then there's a part of me that's kind of like i think i can understand why and you know, I know that's sort of that is kind of dissonance in a way, you know, because yes. it's like it's one, it's it's very much one standard for the people I agree with there, and another standard for the ones I don't. But I guess I don't know. I'm sure there's a middle ground. Um, and I, I think the big thing that bothers me is when people um, online uh, they, they they tend to do say and do things that they wouldn't do if they weren't hidden behind the veil of anonymity. Yes. And I yes. think that's what bothers me. And that's why I kind of like with, with social media, you know, I'm, I'm more in the camp of like wanting to take people's output on social media as an extension of themselves mm-hmm. rather than being uh, a separate place where they can just kind of meme and all that sort of stuff yes. without um, consequence. Um, and so I think that's partly why I get like, I feel like, you know, with the whole turf thing, for example, I feel people do seem to be braver online mm-hmm. uh, in on that guys when they are um, when they're anonymous. You know, in trans activism, whereby it, 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 conversely, it's more they're actually fighting just against the turfism in a way. Yes. So yes. to me, it feels like the turfs have started it on that front. So maybe that's part of the reason why I feel 
differently about one level of anonymity and um, uh, not about the other. Right, I uh, can I can understand. Yeah, that. I'm quite. It's not a, it's not a, a an issue. I feel I have uh, a very cohesive answer to mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think some of these they're they're definitely difficult in terms of uh, finding a a fully cohesive answer. But um, Ian, thank you for for taking part in this in this discussion with me. I feel like this is given the listeners listeners a lot of things to think about and contemplate on where can they look for you if they want to hear you talk more or you know look at your other work or things like that of yeah, that nature absolutely so i i do stand up comedy under my own name so ian lane um so you can find that on uh facebook and uh twitter and instagram um also i do my streaming on twitch under the name ruffled bricks um, so if you look that up, um, you'll find me there. I use that as my, um, Twitter and Instagram at handles as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you want to hear my DJing stuff, then I do that under the name of cynic, the clown, and that's on, uh, SoundCloud and Mixcloud. And I do have a Facebook page for that as well. All right, then. Well, that's very, very detailed and everything, but, um, if you no, it's, too, it's too many aliases if i'm honest but like it's, it's just... okay it's okay keep them guessing keep them guessing that's what you need them for <laughs> that's my veil of anonymity yeah so listen to this episode um you can look on all the available places where podcasts are at including say spotify and anchor and the like and if you'd like to take part in an episode like this then at the bottom of the episode on our site there will be a questionnaire which you can fill in and we will get back to you. Stay tuned for more. Until the next time, thank you for listening.